Hello and welcome to another episode of Empower Apps. I'm your host, Leo Dion. Today, I am joined by Steve Lipton once again. Hey, Steve, thanks for coming on. No problem. I'm more than excited to be here. I know you're a big fan of both Apple events and 360 iDev, so you were the perfect guest. Before we jump right into it, I'll let you introduce yourself. Uh, I'm Steve Lipton. I am a author and video producer for training videos for iOS development and watchOS development. I'm also a CIO of a small medical device manufacturing company. Awesome. So let's jump right into it with 360 iDev. Yeah, it was a fantastic conference. I had a great time, but John decided to put a little uh, damper on the conference by telling us it was the last one. That was really, it was shocking and unfortunate, but understandable uh, in every way, considering the way things have been the last few years. What did you think when you heard that it was going to be the last 360 iDev? Most of my words would be unprodu- uh, unproducible on a uh, podcast, so <laughs> you'd be bleeping like crazy. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a long list of expletives. Yes, I was not happy. The next thing was, where the blank is my Kleenex? But uh, Yeah, I mean, it's tough. I mean, I totally get it. Like, Attendees, people are still afraid or unwilling to spend the money to go. You had two years of pandemic with a hybrid. Um, it's tough getting a conference up and running nowadays. I know I'm not brave enough to do it. I actually looked into a, having setting up a conference, what was it like 2019, 2018? And I was like, yeah, this is too much work and it's hard to get the demand. Like, I'm just not that, that I don't think I'm capable of setting up a conference. So yeah, I don't know. Well, I take it from several points of view here. Uh, I take it from my old job way, what, 20 years ago. I was an instructor for food safety, uh, and I did training courses for two days. And I could see John's – John had a huge point there, and I don't blame John and or for anything as much as I blame Hyatt. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that hotels are bleeding people dry – even in the situation we're in now, I think it's going to hurt hotels in the long run. And uh, it's definitely hurting us as far as the small conferences are concerned. We're, we're going to look for other places, even if there are, if this one or any other. So I find that that's an important point to bring out here, I think. And I just lost my train of thought. That's <laughs> the question again. <laughs> Well, just the, the fact that, like, yeah, it was really expensive to put on at the high end. That's where we were. Okay, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. Like, if you listened and, and heard the numbers, it was just ridiculous. But, I mean, I think the pandemic was kind of the nail in the coffin. I mean, I think that's kind of, like, the thing is the audience just isn't there for a in-person conference still, despite that. Yeah, I, I mean, I was remote. I have to be the first to admit I was remote. I had other reasons that were non-pandemic that right. I was remote, but I could have seen one of the things that could have been done is increase the price. I would have still paid another $100 to be remote. So, I mean, there was there is a possibility of increasing costs on, uh, on prices for, for remote people uh, to cover some of the things that happen on site. But, um, yeah, I think a lot of people were still scared. A lot of people I talked to, who were remote were very justifiably scared. Uh, we had some people who just had 
who had newborns in their lives or, or sick pe- yep. people for other reasons that were just too scared. And I, I totally get it. I mean, the last cross cross country okay. trip I took, it was when I got COVID. So, <laughs> so I mean, I, I get it. I, I totally get it. It's going to be a new reality and we have to really think about that. I be at any conference we go to is this is going to be an issue is there's going to be people who are going to be remote for a lot of reasons. One being scared of COVID, but COVID opened the door for people to say, Hey, I can do this remote thing. And I'm a perfect example of it, of how I'm going to be doing my job is going to be far more remote starting in about a month than it has been ever, except for COVID. I mean, COVID said, hey, here's the situation. I said, oh, my gosh, I have to make everybody in the front office remote. And what I did says, hey, you know what? I could do this all the time and cut some costs for me in one way or another and solve some other problems that we have. And I think that's going to be a problem with conferences is people are going to want that option. And you're going to have to really, really invest in the remote option. Yeah, or at least cut costs on the live event. Like, yeah. I know a lot of conferences that aren't at, like, the hotel that you stay at and things like that. Yeah. I mean, to me, like, the big thought was, like, just there is no other North American conference in this space. To me, like, that's the that's the worst part about it is, um, you know, I, I went to Swift Toronto back in 2019. And I know there used to be iOS dev camp put on by the Capital One folks, I think. And... There just isn't like there isn't any conferences in North America for for people in our our space. Europe is doing fantastic. Like I had an episode. Realistically, even WWDC isn't. Right. Yeah. True. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing. Like uh, <laughs> even Apple doesn't like, do it. I kind of wish. <laughs> I mean, I, we talked about this with some of the folks, but I wish there at least like with WWDC we had alternative conferences going on at the same time, which they used to do. You know, or something. But yeah, there's nothing like that. And then you look at Europe and, you know, we had Louise on with NS Spain. We had Adam has Swift leads or server side Swift. There's iOS Dev UK, which is going on right now. So there's like plenty of like European conferences. But here in the Americas, it's like good luck finding anything like focused on iOS. Yeah. I think part of it is our own, is a U.S independent thought process. I can't, I think that's the word I want to use that the cowboy mentality and we'll learn it on our own. I mean, that's great for my videos because I get lots of people who want to watch videos and learn through videos, but that's not a huge flavor. I mean, the thing I get from a conference like IDEV 360 that we don't, that we really need is not necessarily the sessions. It's a time outside the sessions. When we're going to, to breakfast or lunch or dinner and you're yakking with other people in your industry, that's where conferences really get their power. It's not necessarily right. in the sessions. And when you have something that was as powerful as IDEV 360, that that was easy. I mean, I've been to conferences where that is really hard to do, where everybody is already in a click and you get, if you're not from, this company and it's only the people from that company or you're from this bunch of people, you're never going to get into that circle. And 
I, I always describe uh, uh, Ida three sixty as the summer camp I never had because <laughs> you got to you got to play with everybody, and from a functional standpoint, that meant that you got a lot of people that you got to learn a lot of things. I mean, in areas that I have never even thought about before. Yeah, I think. Like, I've been to a lot of conferences that are just, like, employees sent there, and they're forced to go, and those are not great conferences. For me, especially as somebody who works on his own, it's the ability to, like, meet people in person that you see online. You just can't, like, you don't have that online collaboration, I guess, when it's just only online, whereas, like, you could just come up with a converse, you just have a conversation about something out of nowhere uh, in the middle of lunch and you learn something new and like all sorts of things like that, that you can pick up on at like actual physical conferences. So yeah, I, that, that I miss. And yeah, hopefully something, something is going to come up when it comes to online conferences, you know, they're doing more in-person conferences, I should say. So Yeah. Hey folks, I want to let you know about an app I've been working on, Bushel. If you're a Mac OS developer, this is the perfect app for you. Bushel is the Mac OS virtual machine app for developers who want rigorous and uncompromising testing in their app. Bushel is focused on giving you a complete native capabilities of the Mac OS operating system for all your testing requirements. Right now, I'm looking for folks who are interested in beta testing the app as it's currently in beta. Bushel is going to be a great app if you want to test out different localizations, different operating system, going back all the way to Big Sur, I want to make sure your app still works. Let's say you have a bash script, for instance, and you want to test it out and you don't care if it breaks the Mac and you want to make sure you can revert back. You can do all that with this app. It does snapshots, different version testing, and all sorts of things that are perfect if you want to make sure that your app is working. I was always jealous of iOS developers having a simulator, so I made my own app to do the same thing with Bushel. So sign up now, go to getbushel.app, sign up with your email address and get a test flight invite today. Again, go to getbushel.app to sign up and get your test flight invite. Thank you so much for taking time to listen and I hope you enjoy the rest of the program. Do you want to talk about your favorite things this year? My favorite things this year. That's another big thing about 360 iDev is they do code and no code. And I almost always put on the top of my list the no-codes. There's so much to talk about in terms of who we are as humans and as developers as humans that tends to be missed. And I think, you know, it was really great two years ago when we had a lot of stuff about neurodiversity. And that came back again this year with uh, Nick had another good diversity and inclusion talk. I loved Jill's talk about humane development which was over the top. I mean, that I wish she had done it as a workshop. And uh, <laughs> I was going to gun for the workshop. It says, okay, next year do the workshop. Unfortunately, we don't have a next year. But I was going to say, next year do the workshop because I would have loved it to go. She got into the theory part, which was a lot of the stuff I had learned in learning theory for, when, during my master's in ed. But uh, to get into really the practical stuff where we're talk, really talking about the debate about how you put comments in and things like that would have been just absolutely amazing and moved it into the code side. I had an episode with Ann Callahan uh, a couple of years ago where we talked about cyclomatic complexity. And I was like, I know that. I know that. Um, 
Because, yeah, I think you look at some code and it's just like, think of somebody having to maintain this and breaking down the little pieces. So I really loved her talk. And, yeah, just, just highlighting the fact that you need to simplify things for folks, especially people who maintain it, not just the users. Yeah, I, I'm in a unique situation uh, on the CIO side of what I do is our business system is built it's SAP, but it's on the SAP low-end side. So as a CIO, I have that really interesting responsibility because our SAP Business One system is very different than the business one, the business system for SAP that's the big guys. The biggest thing is anybody can write a SQL report. And trying to record and trying to get everybody to document the SQL reports, because then I'm the one who has to maintain them. And having all my users having to do all of that is a huge responsibility, <laughs> a huge task. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, and I, yeah. I have to, I've set up rules and stuff to say you can't put this into production if I don't see those comments and things like that. And but yeah, I'm very big about those kinds of things and making sure that people actually make it so anybody, me or them, can understand what they did. Yeah, because it's always, it's sometimes it's impossible to get a hold of people and. It, and learn what they did later. So yeah. Yeah. As far as like coding sessions, I, I really enjoy Rob's talk on uncodable. I don't know if I would use some of that custom stuff in my code base, but just the giving me a little bit of behind the scenes of what's going on with codable really helps me with some of the other more like personal projects that I'm working on. So I really like that. I'm glad I had Ellen to finally open the door on plugins because I have no clue how that worked. So <laughs> I'm really happy to see that. And then James Dempsey's talk on Xcode and uh, learning the history of Xcode, but also like how, how it works behind the scenes. Those of interest to me. Those were the three like coding sessions that I really enjoyed. Oh, um, there's probably a few other ones too, but those were the ones I can think of right now. There was no bad coding session. I mean, Osm showing Reality Kit, that was really good because I didn't know anything about that. And the SharePlay stuff. I mean, just the list goes on and on of really great sessions. Yeah, I really liked, I mean, the obviously the Xcode session by James Epsey was great. But I also found two others that I'll put onto that list was the one on physical computing, which was a really great, I mean, I was having so much fun saying, oh, that would be so cool to do this and this. I mean, some of the stuff that I'm going to be I'm going to be developing in the near future has got a lot of measurements in it. And although they don't have to be scientifically perfect, a lot of the people who will be the end users will want them to be as close to perfect as possible. There needs to be a lot of detail in them. I have to be to certain significant digits, which is some fitness apps that I'm working on. So that kind of stuff and trying to get to you know, run for runners, that's going to be something important. So I'm going to be looking into that. And I just love SQL. So SQLite was on my list. Big surprise. <laughs> so those, those two weren't on my list because I didn't attend them. We had two tracks going on and it was like so hard at some point to pick one. But what I'll probably end up doing is inviting him to come on the episode and talk about it so that way I can have my lesson. Yeah. So be on the lookout <laughs> for that because I think some of those speakers will hopefully be uh, in a future future episode coming up. So take a, take a look out for that. Cool. Let's – anything else you want to say about 360 iDev? No, I think that was – you covered most of what I wanted to say. 
the one thing I do want to say is that is the uh, GoFundMe we should uh, leave out about the GoFundMe. Yeah, we'll post a link to the GoFundMe. There's a lot of debt that was picked up from Hyatt, I would presume, mostly. So definitely take a look at that. I think uh, John would really appreciate appreciate that. And in some ways, I don't care if 360i dev comes back in the sense that it has to be the exact same thing. But it w- I would love to have some sort of opportunity to have, like, meet up with people and hear some great talks and things like that. 360 was always well put on. It was awesome. It's like one of the best put on, like John knows what he's doing. So I hope I wish him the best in like, you know, whatever form 360 item takes in a couple of years or so, like I'm, I'm all for it. And I hope, I hope we get something in North America again like that. I think I agree. I mean, the last thing we could really talk about is the future of it. I would love to see it come back. I've been listening into a lot of the conversations and in uh, attributing some of the conversations about what could be the next stages. I mean, I've been in many different conferences and stuff where it it works where we can keep a little bit lower budget. Not having hotel blocks is, of course, a huge one. Using some other kind of venue besides a hotel would be another huge one. And like I said, we're we're in the, the one good part about and I was sort of getting into what we're going to talk about next. Uh, one of the good parts about what's going on now with work from home is a lot of the corporate training centers are sitting gathering dust. And I have a funny feeling we can, tr- we can get a lot of those is going to be very interesting to start making those as conference centers. And they'll start renting them out. Dirt cheap. I mean, they're just, they have to pay the, the bills anyway. They might as well, you know, give it to somebody. So we'll see things. I mean, here in Chicago, my, one of my favorites is Hamburger U. But, um, I mean, there's other ones that I've been to where there have been corporate training centers that are just absolutely gorgeous and perfect for the, for that kind of, of session. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Let's jump into the fun stuff, the expensive stuff. Yesterday's Apple event. What was your all overall expectations and maybe like your reaction to the event as a whole? I didn't have any expectations. I, I didn't expect a lot to happen. I don't think, I mean, there are a lot of rumors to start with, which of course tempered everything because there was nothing, there was really any big spoilers that were going to pop out except for one or two, but, uh, which we'll get to, but Overall, I, I thought and on the phone, I continue to see the arc of what Apple is doing to continue in certain directions. They're continuing to put more sensors and pack more sensors into the watch. However, they can do it. They are improving the sound in the AirPods. I mean, all the different things that that you would expect. Phones get better cameras, you know, or better video, you know, the action, the fact that you probably don't necessarily need a gimbal anymore and it'll handle a good amount of the shake stability issues is kind of cool. But I mean, that's all stuff that you sort of expect. They're going to just keep improving it. You're going to say, oh yeah, we're going to have a next megapixel camera or a next megapixel camera. So, I mean, none of that really surprised me. Yeah. So let's start with the first thing, the Apple Watch. 
Apple Watch Series 8. I am all for, like, there's a part of me that wants to buy a new Apple Watch. But part of the problem is the fact that they haven't upgraded. There's one big upgrade to this, which we'll get into. But, like, overall, like, it's, I still have a Series 6, which I think was the last time you came on. And we talked about heart, not heart rate. Was it heart rate that they added? No, blood, blood oxygen level. And yeah, so they haven't really, like last year, they made the screen size a little bit bigger, which is, you know, that's great. Like, I want like a new processor. I want something big out of the Apple Watch, which they kind of do, which we'll talk about in a bit. But like the body temperature, I think is a, when I heard the rumors about body temperature, I was just like, okay, that's, that's fine. But like, I don't really need to take my body temperature that often. And it's not that big of a deal. And then I mentioned that to the missus and she's like, Oh yeah. For fertility. And I was like, what? And then, and then I, I attend the event and like that hadn't even crossed my mind. And that like, I love that they emphasize that because that's really where like that stuff is very, to me, it was just amazing that they really leaned into that with the body temperature stuff. Um, because, you know, I, I've, I know how important that is. And I'm like, okay, yeah, now body temperature makes total sense. Yeah. I saw two things with that, with that. I know that that from what they showed, there is going to be a body temperature tracking page in the health data. So people can actually track it. I'm going to be very interested in seeing some of the, some of the things that you can do with that. And as I talked about last time with blood oxygen, one of the problems Apple has is they're trying to skirt the edge between what's a medical device and what's something that might just guide you with your health. And I was looking this morning because it was I, it was one of the things that was interesting to me is the body temperature issue has so many variables. It's not necessarily considered a medical device. It's still considered alternative medicine as far as the National Institute of Health is concerned and therefore more likely than not FDA. So you can't really have a medical device that has that. So they don't have to go through the FDA approval on that. If they had a true thermometer that's saying, hey, your temperature is 104 degrees, you have a fever, red alert, that they would need to go through validation and all the FDA loops to get that app to work. So what I think they're doing is they're getting the sensor out first, and I'm assuming they're going to eventually do the same thing if they ever get blood sugar to work, is they'll have something rough that says you're high, low, something like that, which has no real number. And they're doing the same thing with body temperature, is they're doing something that skirts the rules as far as FDA is concerned, but will eventually refine that to the point where they can actually say, here's your blood sugar. And I think they're doing the same thing with fevers and, and heat and stuff like that. The one I'd like to see first, the temperature one I'd like to see first is start to look at it in terms of athletes. And if you hit certain temperature levels to start warning you of dehydration, which I think on the sports side, I mean, we talked about all these extreme sports. We're going to talk about the, the ultimate extreme sport watch. We're talking about extreme sports, and one of the things even on a marathon watch, which you can do with a six or eight, is start having something that warns you if you start getting those spikes in temperatures 
under certain conditions to start saying, wait, that's way out of control. Give launch a warning. I don't know how much I, I, for something like a warning, warning caps, like they do for the heart. I don't know how much they have to get through FDA first, but that would be one of the first things I'd see. I'd see first is we'd start to see stuff where you've got start work on high dehydration and some of the information that they're already getting from the watch uh, and put that together and say, okay, you're, you're getting close to dehydration here. You, you better start doing something about drinking or stop before people end up with problems. Yeah. That's a, really good point like because I, I didn't know you could do body temperature for dehydration but that makes sense is there any technology out there to do blood sugar through light kind of what they're doing with everything else on the watch there was they hadn't got it completely working the company folded and apple okay. bought the patent okay <laughs> that's why i keep talking about it because they have it they have the patent on what this technology is. They just have not come out with anything yet. And given the way things are going and everything else is going on, I predicted it would be by now. It's probably going to be two, three years down the line, if not much more. Anything else on the Series 8? They basically sold it like you're crazy not to get one because it saves your life. And unless you want to die, don't get a better get an Apple Watch Series 8. I felt like crash detection, just probably the stuff with the walking too. And then we also got the Apple Watch series uh, or the Apple Watch SE 2, I guess you can call it. What's the difference between the SE 2 and the SE 1? Do you know? I have no clue. (laughs) Yeah. I haven't looked at the low-end watches in so long. Right. I mean, hey, I'm glad they stopped selling the Series 3. That watch is ridiculous because it still has a 32-bit processor i'm glad they made an se i'm glad they have it out probably has i think it has the same processor that's in the eight which is the same processor that's in the seven which is the same processor it's in the six so maybe in the nine we'll finally get a new processor we'll see but yeah that's it on the apple watch se and then i think I think arguably this is probably the number one highlight of the event was this new Apple Watch Ultra. You want to talk about, okay, well, here, I got a question for you. Apple Watch Ultra, is it the future of the Apple Watch? Because honestly, the thing kind of looks hideous based on what I've seen. And like, you know how with the phone, well, like this year we got like, totally different not totally different but pretty different design on the pro compared with the design of the iphone 14 and also a few years ago we had the iphone 8 and we had the iphone 10 and then eventually like the next year you had the 10s and the 10r which were essentially the same design as the iphone 10 and i wouldn't be surprised if the iphone 15 has the what we'll call what we'll talk about is the dynamic island i wouldn't be surprised if the non-pro has the dynamic island next year like my worry honestly is that next year like all the apple watch series 9 will look exactly like the ultra and like every watch will go in that direction or do you think this is like really specifically for extreme sports and they'll just have a separate line that looks like this does that make sense yes i have Two things I thought of immediately when I saw the Ultra. Number one is, I don't know a marathoner who would wear the thing. And maybe other marathoners will say the same thing I did. It's like, see, that thing looks heavy. You want to control as much weight as you want when you're doing... I've never done an Ultra. I've only done marathons and halves. 
but you want to control your how much weight you're carrying as much as possible. And, you know, having t- t- 20, you know, there, there's an old cartoon that it's only the newbies who carry 45 million things on them with 14 devices. And uh, no, and, and a watch, you know, that's huge is just one of those things that you won't want to do. That's one of the reasons I use my Apple Watch and not the Nike. The Nike was too big. Uh, the original Nike or a Garmin. I mean, that's that's actually what's the hardest thing for Garmin's. I mean, if you're most people will still say as they're trying to compete with Garmin, I think if you hit that point, Garmin is still super, super accurate on the on the GPS. You're going to say, OK, I'm going to go with my Garmin, even if you have the extra stuff. I mean, the dive people. I could see that they're not as going to be as worried about the weight and it's a dive computer. So they get all this stuff that they need for their dive computer. uh, That's going to be dealing with it. So them I can see, but some of the distance people like the ultra marathoners, I I think they're going to try to keep their weight down. And that thing looks bulky on the same side. on the same side. I think when you look at it from a style side, I can't see Hermes wanting to have a bulky tongue, clunky thing looking around it. I think they're going to have a problem with it. I even think Nike will. The smaller, thinner, streamlined things fit their product line. So, you know, going over 44 millimeter is a problem. And I think there's a a limit. The competition, Android, Google-type watches that have been out there, even Fitbit to some extent, as long as they kept them thin, they sold. When you make a big chunky thing, I don't care if it's round or square or rectangle, it doesn't sell. Yeah, I don't know how big that market is of like extreme watches, so to speak. Like, I'm assuming Apple would have done their research and know that there is a market out there for these kind of watches. But like, I love the technology of it, but like, I just don't really, I don't think I'd ever need or want something like that. And I get everything I need with the Apple Watch when I go work out or run or whatever. Like, it's just... I think it's a prestige thing. It's just like an Hermes band. Okay. Except it's for someone who says, well, I have this big watch, so I must do all kinds of adventurous things. And it tells that story to people. So you're going to have people who want to throw out $800 for a watch to say, oh, I'm this big adventure, even if they never go on a hike. So I think that's good. That's their market. It's one of the things they do very well which they've done with the pro phones. How many people are really videographers? <laughs> I mean, like cinematic mode from last year. It's like, okay, if you're really into photography that much, you'd have your own camera and your own setup. If you're not into the photography that much, why would you ever use that feature? And like, yeah, there's definitely that vibe. Apple has that vibe of like selling the pro thing, but pro, but not really for pros, I guess would be the word I'd use. I don't know. Like, you can go down from, like, a Mac Pro to, like, an iPad Pro. And, like, there's people who just want to spend that money and want the Pro thing, even though they're never going to use all the features of the Pro thing, if you know what I mean. Right. And I, that's, yeah, I totally got that vibe with the Ultra, where it's like, like, oh, I have enough money to buy it. I mean, I'm not into, like, extreme sports, but, you know, I could be, I could be, and I should buy this watch because I might use it. Yeah, I definitely got that vibe. I'm... On the developer front, do you think like there's anything on there on that watch that would be of interest? 
I'm just not, I'm, as much as I love Apple Watch development, I don't think I'd ever want to have to test an Apple <laughs> for an endurance person. Like, I don't want to be, I have to be that person. So, yeah. I think the big issue there is battery life. I mean, that's one of the reasons it's so big. Yeah. Right. And that's the thing for an endurance person is that they can have 36 hours of battery life. Right. Or they take it camping and they don't have to bring a charger with them. Right. Right. Anything else you want to talk about when it comes to the Apple Watch Ultra? No. I I mean, it's, I think we've pretty much covered it. I think it's the same thing as sport utility vehicles. Yeah. In the city is people have these luxury, you know, people have a Humvee in the middle of Chicago. Why, Why do you need one? It's merely to spend money and look impressive that you're going to go on some adventure you'll never go on. Yeah. Uh, okay, iPhone. Well, before we get to the iPhone, I want to do the AirPods Pro. I think this is going to honestly be the only thing I'm going to buy out of the event because I've been waiting to get a new pair of AirPods Pro. There's a couple of things they improved upon it, like the detecting what what is noise when they're in trans. Like, it was it called adaptive transparency? I think that was like... Uh, or adaptive canceling that seemed like the one thing new in the AirPods Pro 2, and obviously new chip, yada, yada. I do like that the case has the same, you can charge it with an Apple Watch case. I think that's awesome. I'll definitely be using that. I was never interested in the Qi charging AirPod cases, but at least if it can charge with the Apple Watch, that's perfect for me. Was there anything else you want to talk about with the AirPods? No. Okay. Actually, I'm not. I'm not a big AirPods fan. I love my Aftershocks. So I'm always afraid they're going to fall out of my ears when I'm running because that's the only time I ever use uh, a headset. The Aftershocks or the AirPods? The Aftershocks. Uh, the AirPods. I would be – I use the Aftershocks or AirPods. The only kind of that kind of stuff I do is when I'm running. Otherwise, I've got big monster ones like this because I'm using them for, for pro stuff. Yeah. And so I have the big monster headsets from Audio Technica, and uh, I, I I'm using Pro Stuff. So I use the AirPods when I'm in front of a computer. I would never use these when I go on a run because I know they would fall out. Yeah, like that. I mean, and I, that's why I love my aftershock so much. Is it sits on my head? I did buy the AirPods three, and like I, the thing that I honestly like the most about the AirPods Pro is a little squishy thing. Like they just stay in the ear better than the AirPods. So I ended up returning the AirPods 3. I'm like, I don't want this. I want new AirPods Pro. So yeah. Is after Aftershocks, is that bone induction? It's bone induction. Is bone induction still a thing? Like I don't hear about that. Maybe because I don't they don't sponsor enough podcasts and YouTube channels anymore, but I really think it's go- it's a niche market. Okay. And Aftershocks pretty much has the market. Okay. And it's almost exclusively sports people. Okay. It's runners. I mean, you see them on runners. You like the bone induction stuff? Yeah, I do. It's particularly for running. Okay. Your ears are completely clear, so you can hear all the traffic, which is very important. I don't know if you know what the, – their big sponsor, the Disney runs. And it came up as a big issue with Disney, and that was the biggest solution to the problem was people want to listen to their music while they're running. And at Disney, you've got to have a lot of people – paying attention to instructions because there's a lot of dangerous things there and aftershocks picked up as a sponsor and started showing off their stuff. And I use those, my everyday headset. If I'm walking around, I have one set for that and I have my running one, but what, even with sweat in your ears get so icky when you're sweaty, it, it's nice that it's sitting over here uh, just on your temples and it, it doesn't get as, as icky. Uh, okay. 
iPhone 14, we finally know why it's called a far out event. The long rumored satellite connection stuff was set up. Do you think you'd ever use this? I hope I don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I thought of several things about it. One of the things is I hope I don't have to. Yeah. If I had to, it's a nice thing to have if you were in a situation where you're going to be somewhere that that becomes a problem. Yeah. And I could be on a boat somewhere would be the most likely in my, right. in my situation is I could be on a boat somewhere and that would be an issue. Yeah. But uh, other than that, I don't see a use for them. However, what I did think interestingly is where they could go with that technology post SOS stuff. Could you imagine? Because what they're doing is they're essentially doing a tight beam transmission. And could you imagine starting to do it so that you could direct two iPhones towards each other and have private conversations using that same kind of technology with an iPhone that's further, that's farther away. I know they've definitely, there's been rumors about that. So I wouldn't be surprised if you can just communicate without Wi-Fi or cell or anything and just communicate between two phones separately perfect connection between two phones as long as you hold it right it may be the same thing that you only have certain phrases like they're doing with the sos Mm -hmm. because it's too hard to to push things that's high data rates on that so there may be just small messages that can get translated easily but i could see that would be something that could get shown that you could show up yeah i wouldn't be surprised either on that uh okay let's talk about the pro so we got three big things out of the pro New camera stuff, the long-rumored 48 megapixel with the pixel bidding stuff. They talked about that. I know I don't have anything more to say. It's just more camera stuff. We got it. I love my camera stuff. So, yeah, I, I'm a big – I probably, when I'm ready for another phone in March, uh, which is when I usually do my cycle of, of phones, I don't usually do them when they're brand new, I probably will be getting one. It's I'm on my third year, so it's I usually take three to four years to before I buy a new phone. Yeah, so. that's yeah, that's probably where I'm at too. And then we kind of had with WWDC, we talked about the new widgets on the lock screen. A big surprise, always on display. Not surprised by that at all. I kind of knew it was coming because now we can have widgets. I'm curious about like the privacy stuff on it. If you can play around with that. And I'm also curious about the battery life. If having the always on display, like I remember with the watch when they went there, there was a lot of talk about how using the always on on the watch sucked battery and you had to go like into theater mode to like disable it. I'm curious what the battery life, how much it matters to battery life, even though it's one gigahertz and dimmed and stuff, the always on display is. What were your thoughts on it? Well, I noticed how much they changed low power mode on everything. And I think that's a big key to this is when you're in high power mode, I think it's going to suck battery, but you can shut it off with the low power mode. So I think if you're using low power mode, those issues go away because they say, okay, now you have a blank screen or you have a low power screen and you have to go back to what you normally did before. I think those kinds of issues will We'll start to to even out this stuff with batteries. Yeah, I expect to be a battery suck. I mean, I noticed it on my own watch when I have to do long trips, particularly by airplane, that you can't charge something. It, yeah, it's it's a problem. 
with it being always on. So, yeah, I totally see it's going to be a problem, but I also think they're already planning the solution out. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Have you done any work with lock widgets? I've done work with widgets, but... You haven't done anything specific for the lock screen? No, not yet. Okay. Uh, I tried to look into it, and I can't figure out how to get into it. (laughs) Stay tuned. Go to the LinkedIn page in our links, because I'm sure Steve's going to come up with a course for it at some point. Yeah, I have a sneaky suspicion the next thing we're going to talk about is part of that API, which they've now locked out, so I can't even look at it. Oh, really? Yeah, let's talk about the big thing, the pill, a.k.a. Dynamic Island. I will say, like, I'm impressed always with Apple's creative ways of designing around technical limitations, because we know we always needed something at the top for the front-facing camera and all the Face ID stuff. And so just my thought was, like, the Dynamic Island is not... It's a way for them to continually shrink what was once the notch and shrink it and shrink it. But at the same time, like, not worry about it being in the middle of the screen by making that part of the UI, um, which is essentially what they did here. That's kind of the... Well, the way I saw it is it gives them flexibility. So like if they shrink that camera or they shrink those, those sensors anymore, they could still have the dy- dynamic Island on there. And if at some point it's basically gone, then they can do whatever they want with it. But if they want it still there, they can always still have it there, but smaller with, with a pill pill shaped uh, dynamic Island there. So yeah, very creative. Um, it looked really cool. I don't know. What did you think? I thought it looked really cool. I think it's the first thing I thought of is I'm seeing the Swift UI capsule shape show up in a, a big way. And uh, I immediately, because I think in Swift UI so much these days, that uh, I just really said, hey, that's an H stack with a spacer in the side. <laughs> and uh, I mean, that that's what it is. And uh, for 90% of the island that was there, that was all there was. There's one there's one thing on one side, one thing on the other side, and a big spacer in the middle to hide the notch. Yep. And I think that's exactly what we're going to see is they may make just a V-stack inside that H-stack for some of those bigger displays right, right. or for a notification or something like that. But I think we're going to be seeing some very uh, – they mentioned it's going to be easy for developers, but they didn't say how. And uh, I went and tried to dig out some answers to that and – the Xcode release didn't have them. <laughs> You're talking about the new release candidate? Yep, release candidate does not have them. In fact, I you does have a simulator that has the pill on it, but if you try to mess with the pill, it doesn't do anything. Hmm. It actually will give you standard notifications. I tried pushing notifications out, and uh, it wasn't doing anything that I would have liked it to actually see it active. So I don't think it's active yet. Yeah, yeah. At least for developers. Yeah. To be able to customize it rather than just doing what what it would do by default. Because I'm sure there's some default code there. Yeah, it opens up a lot of opportunity, I think, as far as like understand like having a better UI that fits into the device as far as notifications are concerned. But yeah, we'll see once they open up the API what they're actually gonna end up doing. I could see how they're gonna do the UI 
the rest of the API is just like this huge mystery to me that I've been it's starting to sucker me in about what they're going to do. Right. It may be related. So I, I read somewhere that someone thinks it's going to be related to everything else that's going to be on the lock screen. Yeah. I've heard some talk about like live activities being a big part of that and the new API there. Yeah. Or it could be like, it could be levels of customization where it's like, Oh, all I want is this text and this icon. And then you just do that. Like, I'm kind of curious where they're going to take it. Yeah. I mean, the more I thought about it, the first thing I thought about was, okay, maybe they'll just do it straight like this. But the more I realize that they're going to have to throw this in the background. Right. So we're going to have to have some background threads running for this to actually work right. So is it going to be something that in your app delegate in Swift UI or UI kit or wherever, you have to put some extra code that says, if you go out of the program, or if you go out of your application, you're going to launch this into the dynamic island or not. Yeah, yeah, that makes total sense. Or are we going to do it as a target like we do with the watch? Oh, like an extension? Yeah. Mm. You have an extension in a, in a, tar- in a separate target. Uh, I wouldn't think so because you'll always... I, I don't. Because <laughs> you always have a notification there. I don't know. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Look out in a future episode or state training session. From Steve. Yeah, I think that's clunky. That's the problem is the extension. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know you know how things go back and forth in the between the watch and the phone. Right. And I that's that's clunky if you're on the same device. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. Remains to be seen. Um okay. Last question before we close out. What are you buying? Good question. And um I eventually will need a new watch. So is it gonna be an eight or a nine? I don't know yet. I want to see what watch OS brings to me on the watch I have now first yeah. is my big thing. I'm also in the middle of moving. So I, my budget's a little low, but I assume sometime in the spring, I will be buying a new phone. Which one? I'll be buying a pro <laughs> small pro or big pro, big pro. Okay. Yeah. Knowing me. Cause I will use the cameras. I mean, you know, we were talking earlier that people don't use the pro features, right? I mean, my iPad Pro is 90% LumaVision and uh, Procreate. So, I mean, I'm using the big Pro for exactly what it's meant to do. Okay. And I use the camera a lot because I am using it for the video that I'm doing. That's my live action video camera. Okay. So, it's actually getting used for those because I'm not at the price point where I can afford the $24,000 camera. Right, right. And that makes sense. Yet. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not getting the Series 8. It's not too much I want to upgrade for my Series 6. I'm still waiting for them to like really give a big update for me to be tempted to buy a new watch. Even though I'm like it's a three-year-old watch, so like I'm totally up for it. But the eight was not was not super impressed with it. The ultra is way too bulky and way too much for what I need. I would be tempted to buy iPhone 14, but I'm just not as enthusiastic. Like a pro, especially. I think well might end up doing is waiting for the 15 to have the pill. Slash dynamic island, I might end up doing that, but I think I'm gonna hold off. I might hold off till March and like buy a pro then when they go on sale or something. But for now, it's like, yeah, I'd rather I'm just getting the pro, the AirPods Pro, and that's that's it for me right now. Maybe if I'm tempted in a few months, I might buy the iPhone 14 Pro Max, but I can wait on it honestly. The 11 is just so great and has so much space on it. I have the 11 Pro Max, and honestly, it's kind of hard to let go of it. 
an upgrade. But there's going back to the idea of, oh, like, yeah, I'm not going to use it, but I might. With the pro, the temptation is, yeah, okay, I want to develop an app using the dynamic island, but I know I just, I won't have time to do it anyways, even if I wanted to. So yeah, I I think I'm going to wait on the pro, at least for now. I probably will do a video. There's more likely than not, if I get it, or even if I do it through just X code, there'll be videos about the island once I know what's going on. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, totally. And too, like, as far as a camera, like, you could guilt me maybe into buying a better camera, you know, to shoot pictures of the kids or something. But like, in all honesty, like the 11 pro max is fine. I don't even use the video camera on it that much anymore, except for family stuff. So to be, so as long if it takes better pictures of the kids, maybe, but otherwise like that's really all I use my camera for right now. Yeah. I mean, I, the things I really want for the next big investments for my camera, which I found very interesting in some of the videos they showed during it, is they have this camera, and then it's sitting on a $300,000 rig to slowly pan into the scene. With the head, I think it was a piano or something. And I'm going, okay. So, yeah, there's this $300,000 rig running this camera, <laughs> running this iPhone. Yeah, the reason you get the good picture is because of the $300,000 rig. So, yeah, also, I would rather invest in more rigs as well. It's so funny, like, the photos that they show off they're very much the same like pose the same poses they're always models they're always wearing very bright colors and it's like show me a real world example of trying to take a picture of a kid while you're like trying to chase them or like you know more realistic use cases of like the convenience of the iphone is why it's, it makes for great cameras like you always have it with you and it's really good quality but like yeah there's still things about the camera that I'm like, oh, I wish it did better at this and this. I feel like they don't quite address yet. So, yeah, I see. Anything else, Steve, before we close out? Yep. Where can people find you online? Not that I could think of. You could find me online in lots of places. On Twitter, I'm at Steve Lipton. I have a website, makeappie.com. And you find me on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash in slash Stephen dash J dot Lipton and the new one, which will be up hopefully by October 1st is my Patreon, which will be make app patreon.com make app pie. And I will be setting up all kinds of videos for the subscription service where you'll be able to see all kinds of fun and exciting things for iOS development and other kinds of uh, tech issues. Uh, The first one will be, on developing applications on your iPad using Swift Playgrounds. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. I finally get my dream. I can make an app on my iPad. Right, right. Exactly. Thank you, Steve, for coming on. Really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. People can find me on Twitter at Leo G. Dion. My company is Bright Digit. Take some time to like and subscribe if you're watching this on YouTube. If you are listening to this, uh, would love a review in the podcast player. Thank you so much. And I look forward to talking to you again. Bye, everyone. Bye.